Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Howdy, folks, and welcome to the TFL Truck Podcast. I'm Nathan. Yeah, and next to him, instead of Andre, it's me, Case. I've made it big. I'm on a podcast. You are indeed, and most importantly, um, you're a lot easier to talk to than Andre, who oh, constantly bets me with hockey and football and all that, and I keep losing. Um, so this podcast, what we would like to do is talk about Case's very special 1994 uh, Ram 2500 diesel, Cummins diesel, I should say. But before we get to that, we wanted to talk about Patreon and the fact that you guys have been supporting us through Patreon and we truly appreciate it. And as such, you're going to have your questions answered right here on the podcast. And we're going to get to that in just a minute. Um, For those of you who are not aware, Patreon is a way to support us financially. And by doing so, that allows us to do these projects and these builds and pay people like you know, case, um, and then actually get out there and do these things. And thank you so much for your support. Go to Patreon and support us if you haven't already. And the best part about that, of course, is you'll have any question you want, well, within reason, <laughs> answered right here on our podcast. So, case. Yeah. Um, let's hear. I know we've got some new members. Indeed. So let's go over the members. Um, and we have different tiers, different levels in terms of financial support. Um, half ton, mid-size, heavy duty, you get the point, you know, in terms of going up. So our newest, uh, starting as of the 25th, is uh, John, who's a heavy duty supporter, Derek, who's a half ton supporter, uh, and John, who's a heavy duty supporter, Michael, who's a half ton, Lars, who's a half ton, TJ Powell, sorry, I just said the whole name because it was cool, um, is a mid-size supporter, Christopher, half ton, Kurt, half ton, Danny, midsize, and Adam, heavy duty. These are our newest Patreon supporters. Guys, thank you so much for your support. Yeah, again, huge thanks to everyone who's supporting the channel. It, like Nathan says, it helps us make videos. And like we mentioned, if you support on Patreon and you shoot us a question, then we can answer it here on the podcast. And we have three questions from some of our viewers. So the first one comes from Derek Nedzel, and it says, guys, great work on the channel. I really enjoy TFL Off-Road and TFL Truck Channels. One question, why is the number of brake applications important on the Eichgauntlet test? I tow my 3,000-pound camper trailer with my 2004 Land Rover Discovery over Eichgauntlet route, and on the downhill from the Ike Tunnel, I shift transmission down to three, add a little gas to stay at 60, and with a modern transmission with more gears, you could just downshift and keep the same speed you want. Are you concerned about triggering the trailer brakes to keep it stable? Just wondering why you choose this test. Actually, it's a really good question. Now, by the way, this has already been answered to a certain extent because Andre wrote him directly, I believe. But I wanted to answer this just for you guys as well. Um, and what Mr. Truck and Andre, myself, Roman, all of us would say, including Case, about why we do this test and the way we do it. Now, one of the reasons why brake applications are important when you're heading down the I gauntlet is because we look for the way the vehicle is set up. There are vehicles out there, especially heavy-duty ones, but even 
some half tons and mid-sized trucks that will downshift for you when it detects that you're going down a grade, especially if you do a brake application and it's in tow mode. It'll figure that out. And in some cases, some of the trucks that we've driven, just by leaving them in the regular gear in tow mode as they're going downhill, are able to take care of everything and we only have to do an application maybe once or twice. That's happened in the very recently actually. Yeah, but it's definitely uncommon. I mean, mm -hmm. especially when you're towing near maximum of what your vehicle is capable of, right. you need to do more than just what downshifting can help you with in terms of slowing down. And you want to know that if you go up a mountain and then down a steep grade like what we do at the Ike Gauntlet, that your brakes are going to be more than enough to stop you and your trailer. Brakes are the most important part right there. Yeah. And uh, one of the things that's happening is you're going downhill and you, you are... You know, obviously we use uh, brake controllers. Even if the vehicle's not equipped with it nowadays, we have our own that are remote. No matter what, we want to make sure everything is safe, and so do you when you're going down the hill. The thing is, is that not everybody is comfortable and or wants to downshift. The other thing is that not many people really should, because some of these vehicles are so smart and capable now that there is absolutely no reason to do so. You can rely on the system aboard the vehicle in order to slow you down and keep your brakes fairly cool. And that's what it all boils down to. Um, I've been a victim of having overheated brakes actually seize on me with an old Ford Ranger and I jackknifed. It's a true story. It's um, read it in the very actually it's the very last chapter of uh, Truck Nuts, the book that uh, the guys wrote. I actually wrote one of the chapters, and it had to do with that and really really bad brakes on the Ike. Well, a little further down, but the point is is that it's terrifying. Losing your brakes is one of the biggest dangers you can come across when you're towing. So one of the things that you can do when you lose your brakes is you can rely on your trailer brakes to slow you down. That might not work. Downshifting, of course, those types of things, of course they help. But at the end of the day, if your vehicle is equipped in such a way to where it can go down a hill and safely use its ability, its own brain, to downshift, to keep within the gears that you want, to keep within the safe speed that we've estimated, which is around no higher than 60 miles per hour going down the hill, then you maintain control, you keep your brakes cool, and you are safe. So. Really, that's the main reason. Have you ever had an issue case with overheated brakes? No, not on any of my vehicles. And I will say another reason that we count the brake applications is it does help us gauge how well some of the other systems in the vehicle are working to slow down your entire load. So mm. a vehicle with fewer brake applications is probably going to be really effectively using downshifting, especially some of the modern heavy-duty diesels, they can use some exhaust, of the exhaust brakes. brakes. Exactly. And in that way, you know, you're going to have almost no brake applications at all. So it, it just gives us kind of a good gauge of how well the truck is slowing its trailer down without ideally riding its brakes the entire time. Right. Uh, now, we also have another question. Uh, this is from our Patreon member, John Riley. Uh, John Riley has a 2018 Silverado High Country with the Duramax, and he's looking to trade it for a new truck because right now with the way that the market is, he's being offered even more than what he paid for it two years ago uh, and after 50,000 miles of driving. That's insane, but that's that's the market right now. That, that is exactly, yeah. I mean, a, the market is crazy. It's unbelievable. It will, it will balance crazy. out in time, but right now, this moment, the, the prices and everything else are almost undeniably bizarre and you know if for those of you who can be patient I recommend being patient but in his case he does need a new truck 
And uh, what is it? He drives 25 to 30,000 miles per year? Yeah, so he says he drives 25 to 30,000 miles a year. Uh, he only tows a 34-foot, 8,000-pound travel trailer occasionally. Um, and, you know, he'll throw, he says, some grease and oil drums in the back. Now, the two trucks that he's looking at are the GMC AT4 2500 mm -hmm. and also the Titan XD. Mm. He's looking at the Titan because he thinks it'll probably ride better as a daily driver and it can handle the payload that he needs and some occasional towing. Um, and then, you know, with the GMC, he's a little worried about some reliability issues. Um, He's, he says he's turning away from the big three, so he's wondering, is, is there really any other reason than resale value and bad camera systems that you should avoid the Titan XD? Titan XD is a really interesting vehicle. It's one that I think a lot of people sort of forget about, you know, because, yeah. because it's, it's kind of rare. Um, it sits in between a 1500 and a 2500. Uh, it has a much beefier frame than the regular 1500. Uh, X or uh, Titan, but it does have, I believe, pretty much the same axles and a lot of the other uh, equipment is the same, same engine, but everything else has been beefed up. And because of that, you actually have what I like to call kind of like a heavy duty half ton as opposed to a lighter duty 2500, right? Um, very good payload in that vehicle. So far, every single time we've towed with it, it's always impressed us with just how smooth it is. Yeah. Now, I remember at one point a few months ago, we went off-roading in our Daihatsu Rocky. <laughs> wow, Were you yeah. there? Uh, I, I went on one of the Daihatsu things when I brought my Suzuki. So basically, it was the first time we had taken this little Daihatsu Rocky off-road, and right. it broke down. That's right. That's right. And you had to come and save us. Yep. And I it, used the Titan to come rescue you guys. Yeah. And uh, I have to say... Tone with that truck because the road to go up to Gold Hill where you guys were going off road that is a steep, steep, windy road. Not the most fun place to tow. Yeah, and, and on top of that, on top of that, that road has also got a, like washout, a wash, yeah. washboard all over it, right? Yeah. So <laughs> I remember you when you came up, you were flying. Oh yeah, I was cruising with the Titan, <laughs> and man, it it towed like a champ. It's a comfortable truck. It's a good, powerful motor. It tows really well. Yeah, you brought up a trailer that weighed about twenty five hundred pounds, if I recall. Was uh, it, was yeah, it a our, dual so it's it's our yeah it's our Iron Bull trailer. It weighs I think close to three thousand pounds. Okay, and then you threw on a t almost three thousand pound vehicle on it yeah so you're towing around six thousand and change i would say after everything was done right yeah so the truck was definitely under stress by the load that it was carrying but again the roads that we were towing on were pretty pretty serious i mean even more grade than the i gauntlet and a lot of switchbacks so would you give that truck a uh, you know flying colors for oh, its ability so, it towed really well i'm i'm so personally i love American trucks. I've got no issues with them. As you can see behind me, I drive one, but yeah. I was thoroughly impressed with the Titan. It, it the tows Titan's well. American, as far as I'm concerned, is built in uh, Tennessee, so uh, or I think it, it should be. Well, the other one is, at least. Well, it doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> the point is, is that um, I would lean towards the Titan. Uh, I, I've been very happy with Titan performance. They're not perfect. You're absolutely right. Your resale value is going to suck. Um, so this is one of those trucks where you just drive it until it drops. Uh, the other thing is, is that you're right, the camera system is nowhere near as good as the AT4s um, in terms of what you can get for the money. But the basic camera system isn't too bad. And I really do like the side cams if you do get the uh, Pro 4X version. 
It's actually quite good. The power, uh, that 5.6 liter V8 is probably one of my favorites. In fact, I've said it a million times. It's relatively, um, I wouldn't say it's, uh, it's not as powerful as obviously the 6.2 liter V8 that's available for the GMC, but I think that this is a good compromise because it's still very powerful, it's quick, it's fairly efficient, and I think that uh, the 6.2 liter, in order to get the most efficiency and power out of it, you do have to go super unleaded. I think that with the 5.6 liter, you can just use regular and let it all day long. Yes, if you use super, you get like 400 horsepower out of it, but you only lose a little bit if you use regular, right? Just a little tiny bit. So you save a little bit of money there. Bottom line is that they're both good trucks, but the Titan XD is kind of a diamond in the rough. And personally speaking, if I were in your shoes, I would take a look at it. No, I, I think it's a really good option. Um, um, moving on, we have another, our final question from Dave Murphy. And he reached out to us because he says he's always been a California sports car guy, but watching some of our videos, we got him into off-roading. Oh, uh, we got you hooked. So he's trying to figure out what he wants to buy as an off-roader, and he's thinking of getting a vehicle kind of similar to the type of thing that we did with our No Payment Needed series, which I actually think is a great idea because off-roading a really expensive vehicle like our Defender or our TRX is incredibly stressful. Oh my God, it's terrifying. It's, it's you know, the, the the idea of breaking something that cost over seventy grand and then yeah. having the wrath of Roman on top of that, ugh, both not of those ideal. No, no, it's not. So the point here is that uh, the No Payment Needed series, just real quick, was a series that we put together where we bought three different pickup trucks and we were given a budget, five thousand dollars, and then we were sponsored, and the sponsor was going to give us uh, extra components from their organization. That's RealTruck.com, I believe, yep. um, to make these trucks better. And, you know, we all had issues with those trucks and bounced them around, took them to Hell's Revenge, took them to Fins and Things, drove them back and forth from Boulder to Moab and back. So it was a, it was a lot of stress. They all made it uh, not unscathed. But, but the important point here is that even though we had to fix one transmission and some other you know, air conditioning, still those things like that, we spent very little by comparison, on these trucks and fixing them up and fixing them after we kind of broke them. And it's a lot cheaper, a lot cheaper than going out there, buying a new truck or off-roader, beating the crap out of it, and then having to sink ten, twelve, fifteen thousand dollars $15,000 into it to fix whatever you broke, right? So that yeah, was kind of our point. It's a big investment to beat on, you know? It, right. Again, you, you buy a really nice Land Rover or especially, imagine, like the Mercedes G-Wagon fantastic off-roader, mm -hmm. right? Triple lockers, oh, incredibly God. impressive machine. How many people have you seen actually? I, they exist. There's people that there, take there them off-road. There are people that, yeah, in, in, in the United States, not that many, especially no. in Southern California where apparently they all gather. <laughs> well, because the, I mean, the G-Wagon starts base price, not for an AMG or anything, just the regular G-Wagon starts at well over $100,000, which is well over six figures. Ridiculous. You're not Considering gonna, that it used to be... You're not going to beat that up. You're not no, going to pinstripe it and beach it on the rocks. Unless you're a super cool, like, rock star millionaire type yeah. person who just doesn't care. If I had millions, I would off-road one, oh, but yeah. I don't. Yeah, and then and <laughs> so get it really dirty and scratched up and dent, and then drive it around Rodeo Drive and laugh at the people who you know have shiny ones yeah. with you know um, uh, twenty four inch wheels. But but even going to the like just the base, let's go to the other side of it. Let's say you wanted something like a relatively new or brand new even 
uh, Jeep Wrangler. Yeah, just like what Tommy bought. Yeah, Tommy just bought a, a Willys, but pretty much stock, right? Yeah, well, but right near, now his near is the completely the unmodified, but even still, it's got a limited slip rear differential because yeah. the Willys is a little bit specced higher than the absolute mm-hmm. base, although it is still a very simple... I mean, he, he optioned AC. Yep. That's an option, and he optioned it, which is probably smart. But he's still got manual locks, manual mirrors, manual windows, and is there manual transmission on that one. It is. It's a manual transmission. All right, little V6. guys, all grown up. <laughs> um, so that that by that vehicle, how much did that cost roughly? It was like uh, thirty-five. Yeah, I think it was. I want to say it was over thirty thousand dollars. Yeah, I think it, I, I which just, is still a big investment, especially. That's exactly my point. So you, you're investing an awful lot of money getting you know even a base model decent off-roader. So where do you go in between? Why not spend eight grand, seven grand, and get yourself a half decent first generation Jeep Wrangler, um, or yeah, a CJ5 if you can find a good one for that price would be actually kind of rough. But there are a lot of first and second generation Wranglers out there. Yeah, um, not even the Rubicons, which is what he mentioned. Um, you don't really even need that. As a matter of fact, if you haven't done off roading, this is a suggestion I just throw out there, but. It was thrown to me by some pretty interesting people in the industry who uh, I, I take seriously. That's including some actual Jeep people who <laughs> work for Jeep, but also a few uh, journalists who have been around for a long time who uh, off-road. And one of the things that was suggested to me is if you can become proficient at doing off-roading with open diffs, really having a vehicle with half-decent tires, you can go almost anywhere with the exception of, you know, the absolutely crazy boulder hopping. But uh, some of these guys have managed to do the Rubicon in an almost stock, you know, early 2000s, late 90s Jeep Wrangler, not even, you know, the Rubicon version. And maybe they did a mild lift, but really it was just, you know, nice tires that, that can really handle it. Yeah. And some armor underneath. Oh, and, and I can... I saved can, money. I can attest to the same thing because uh, on TFL Classics channel, we had a project truck. It was mm-hmm. an older Tacoma. Oh, yeah. Baby Yoda. Baby Yoda. And all we did to it was a minor lift, mm-hmm. more aggressive tires. It still had open differentials. It didn't have the factory rear locker. And that truck did incredibly well now it, it lacked horsepower really was it, the biggest issue it lacked horsepower but it had all the right angles it got over every obstacle that we pointed it at so open dips weren't ever, even an issue you no. never bought them that i mean I, no no and I, I was driving it on butt scratcher which is the most aggressive yeah. departure angle test that we do and we went there a week or two before we filmed that and we brought the trx we brought uh, the Raptor. Raptor. Yeah. Yep. We brought a kitted out Forerunner. Uh, we brought an FJ Cruiser, and we brought the Defender. And the Defender was the only one that didn't scrape on that same feature. And the so, only reason why was because it's able to go to like what eleven inches. Yeah. The, the suspension gets ridiculously high. Right. So this this Toyota, without its suspension being ridiculously high, was able to clear that with you know a, a little steel bumper on it and a minor lift and <laughs> it did incredibly well now dave our, our viewer whose question we're talking about he is as he says looking into maybe an older jeep wrangler rubicon mm-hmm. and honestly that's something that i can fully get behind i learned how to drive on a 1948 willie's jeep and i love them they're a ton of fun off-road the best thing in my mind is being able to pop the doors off, pop the top off, and then you can just see everything around you, which makes it so much more fun. A lot of the modern vehicles that we test, like the TRX, the Raptor, and everything, 
they're meant to be so big and imposing that they have these massive hoods and that looks really cool from the outside but when you're off-roading you cannot see anything that you're rolling over especially going up hills and and trying to see the crest of the hill some of them have cameras which does help a lot actually but you know in terms of learning the basics and and enjoying yourself really like a first generation second generation Jeep Wrangler is a great way to go. I would recommend the Suzuki uh, Samurai, one of my <laughs> yeah. favorite vehicles out there, but it also is something that permanently be- damaged my back. Um, <laughs> the ride is horrendous. Also not a vehicle you want to take on the highway. Granted, that could be said for older Jeeps, too. They're not yeah, but these, these Jeeps, on the highway. If they have the six-cylinder, if they had the four-liter six-cylinder, they're fine. I mean, Well, it's got power for it, but maybe not the steering, especially if yeah, you have a cheaper one. Yeah, some wobble and some other issues, but, but um, it's a really good idea to go get these used vehicles. They're, yes, prices are for used vehicles are crazy right now, but those are for newer used vehicles. Some of these older used vehicles are still maintaining reasonable prices. And it, here's the best part. It, let's say you go and get yourself an old Wrangler. Let's say you go and get yourself an old you know, Cher- Grand Cherokee or something like that. Parts are cheap. Parts are relatively cheap. They're relatively easy to replace. These are fairly simple vehicles in terms of how they're set up. As such, if you beat the crap out of it, you can fix it for you know, minimal buy-in, so to speak. Yeah, and if you get a Jeep with a 4-liter inline-six, that's a great engine. That's a super solid motor. Actually, yeah. uh, my roommate and I, a few months back, we put a 4-liter into a pretty clean Wrangler. It was one that had had its motor blow up. It dropped a valve, which super uncommon. So it was notable that that had happened. But we dropped a new 4-liter in it, and now it's it's tough as nails and those are great motors you really do not see failures on them very often as long as you maintain them as long as you replace the oil and you know do what you have to do those yeah, things this, can go this was a unique other. situation that's it doesn't and, 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 happen and you can overcook them i mean nothing's it's possible right any right, motor exactly. can blow up but yeah definitely those four liters are great engines and i would say too if if you're looking for something to off-road the less expensive it is I would the more fun you're gonna have even if it's not the best off-roader the less you're <coughs> worrying about it it's just going to be a lot more fun of an experience that's exactly it so beating something up that you can like yeah whatever you know you just drag it into your garage and then you get to toy with it and then you know what the part I always loved uh, back in the day when I used to do this more often is that once you've beat it up and you've kind of scratched it up and dented it and you're looking around going hmm what can I do to make this a little bit better and it's surprising what you can come up with, especially on your own. So uh, Dave in California, I highly recommend you do that. The Jeep idea is a great idea. Um, save yourself some money, get the older used first or second generation one. They're great, even though there's leaf springs, you can still get great articulation out of them. Fantastic first off-roader. Absolutely. All now, right. Uh, should we transition to talking yes. about the beast Before we do, me? I just wanted to one more time say, yes, you guys can. Get your questions answered in detail, not just from Case and Nathan, but also from Andre or Roman or Tommy. Really depends on who's doing which podcast. But your questions can be answered as long as you guys support us on Patreon and, of course, list your questions. And in some cases, you'll get two answers. You'll get one that's emailed to you and one that's read aloud just like we did. So keep that in mind. I hope you guys keep supporting us. We do appreciate it. And yes, now let's move on to that vehicle, which is the pictured. Moose. Now, for those of you who are not uh, able to watch us, if you're listening to us, um, what you're not seeing is a 1994 all-white Buffalo, otherwise known <laughs> as a 
uh, Ram 2500, Dodge Ram 2500, I should say. Uh, Case has tastefully taken this vehicle from being what we think is a plumber's truck. Uh, I think it was a general contractor's truck. Uh-huh. So yeah. it had a bed that was as heavy as a small car in itself. <laughs> yeah. um, all steel, fully covered bed for a contractor. And Case removed that bed, sold it, I believe, and yeah. then replaced the bed with a proper pickup truck bed. Kate uh, painted it and now has a shell on it, and the truck looks nearly brand new. Yeah, it, it's been a really good project. So, so like you mentioned, it's a 94 Ram. It's got a 5.9 Cummins, a five-speed manual, and super solid truck. I'm just about to turn over 250,000 miles at it. I'm at 249,500-something, and the truck is solid as a rock. So what was really cool is... I bought this back when COVID was just kind of starting, people were really uncertain, and so vehicle prices were low, people were trying to sell off any extraneous things that they had laying around to get an extra buck, and this truck was on Facebook Marketplace. It was a very low-key ad, there were not a lot of pictures of it, not tons of information, but everything that I did see looked really good. Well, before you continue, uh, explain to us why you wanted this particular truck. I mean, what was the motivation? <laughs> yeah, I guess that, I guess that for it, it, some yeah. people might require some explanation. Yeah, exactly, because this is, <laughs> this is kind of unique amongst trucks, especially nowadays, so, well, so and, explain and it. It's, it's funny, too, because my previous daily driver, well, my previous daily driver really was my motorcycle. I would take that to the grocery store, I would take it to work, I would take it to school, I would ride it summer winter, rain, shine, everything. You also had a Mazda 3, let's be honest. Yeah, I also had a Mazda 3. I wouldn't call that my daily driver because I only drove it when there was snow on the roads. Right, and, and you I got rid of that pretty quickly, too. Yeah. I and mean, I, Right after you started a TFS. So that, that, was my, that was my first car. Yeah. And I had it for a long time. Great car, fun to drive. It was perfect for when I lived in Atlanta, and I had a 60-mile daily commute uh, through the center of the city. That was perfect. Mm-hmm. But now I live in Colorado. I do outdoor sports, climbing, uh, skiing, mountain biking, and I need a vehicle that I can drive up the side of the mountain and ideally also camp out in the back of it. Now, the great thing about this truck is it was inexpensive to buy. They are super reliable. I know some people hate it when you call a Ram reliable, but mine has been and is continuing to be a super solid bulletproof truck. It's never left me stranded. Uh, so cheap, reliable, fun to drive, uh, easy to work on. I can take it pretty much anywhere. And mm-hmm. actually, as we speak, uh, well, later today, I'm building out the camping setup in the back. So it just checks tons of boxes for me. And yeah, bought it for $8,000 because when we went to go look at it, it was perfectly dry underneath, no oil leaks, which if you know Cummins, that's 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 rare yeah Yeah. (laughs) that was surprising like main seal and all that could be an issue too exactly yeah Yeah. and and since i mean we've done a lot of engine work on the truck uh just for fun performance parts which we'll we'll talk talk about about that because i want to ask you about all your uh, upgrades but yeah we'll get to where we are now though on the truck yeah so i mean the, the truck just had tons of documentation every single oil change every aftermarket part that had ever been put on it uh so i knew its entire history all the good signs so bought it, but it was needing paint because the paint was just terrible. And it had a really cool utility bed on it, like you mentioned. Yeah, it was cool, but it was heavy. Yeah, so just for my purposes, that bed didn't make sense because it weighed a ton. Now, this is already not a particularly lightweight truck. 
But when I rolled this truck over the scale before I took the bed off and then after, and by replacing that utility box, as cool as it was, and going back to a factory style bed, I shaved 11,000 or 1,100. I was going to say 11,000. <laughs> 1,100 pounds off of the truck, uh, which I'm very happy about. I don't need that utility bed, and this just made it easier to get the truck up off the ground enough to put 35s on it. And yeah, really happy I did that. So talk about the paint job. You did it yourself, didn't you? Oh, man. Yeah, the paint job's all right. And it looks okay. For so the cool thing is that the cab of the truck from the interior to the outside, except for the fact that the paint was coming off and just bad. Uh, the cab of the truck was really clean. A Little bit of hail damage on the roof and the hood had been replaced because of hail damage. But the rest of it was great. And actually one of the craziest things about this truck is that this interior looks like it just rolled off of the factory it is, floor. And you still have a dashboard that hasn't exploded. Yes, my dash isn't cracked. I've got a factory style radio that's been upgraded with Bluetooth, so it looks completely like a factory radio, functional cassette player. Um, everything in the interior works. But it was hard finding a bed because most of these trucks suffered from a little bit, if not a lot of rust. And usually people don't take the bed off of their truck because of how nice it is. So most of the beds that I was finding online were in pretty rough shape. I bet. This one had rust in the wheel arches, big surprise. So before I painted it, uh, my roommate and I, who is a really, really talented mechanic, he, we, we did patch panels to fix the rust and there was a ton of hail damage in the driver's side, bedside. And we went over as much of it as we could, but we hit that point where, hell, if you know, if 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 we don't paint it now, this is just never gonna I happen. Totally get you. And it's a truck; it doesn't have to look perfect, so it looks good. the The joke is always, uh, you know, fifty at fifty, right? A vehicle that looks good from fifty feet away, going fifty miles an hour. Well, yeah. I, I think my truck is 20 at 20. <laughs> I, I'll give you 20 on that, too. I, yeah, yeah. When I first saw what he did with the bed, I was astonished because I didn't recognize the truck. And I'm like, dude, you bought another truck? And I realized <laughs> it was the same one. You know how I realized it? Because it was so damn noisy. Yeah. Coming down the alleyway, we have to cut our video and to make sure he can get through the alleyway without actually setting off it's car alarms. It, it's a lot loud. <laughs> your, your truck is remarkably loud. But there's a reason for that. And I wanted to get into, just you know, for those people who are diesel freaks, what did Case do in order to, I believe, nearly double your horsepower at this point? Almost. I haven't had it actually on a dyno, but uh, it feels like all of double what it used to have. I remember, and a big part of the reason that I did these engine modifications, because I used to see these comments all the time, don't get rid of that utility bed. Don't modify the truck. You're going to ruin its functionality and reliability. Mm. Here's the thing. I'm, I'm daily driving it. I know how it drives because mm. I drive it every single day. And that bed and its lack of power made it really difficult to get around, especially here in the mountains at altitude. Trying to go uphill was miserable. So I just wanted to get more output of it out of it and and I know that these engines are capable of that reliability mm -hmm. so yeah we went through uh, injectors we did some modifications to the fuel pump um, including a governor spring that allows it to rev a hell of a lot higher than it used to which is great because the old governor used to 
pretty much cap off your fun right when you would be getting into the boost, which is a bummer. Uh, bigger turbo, also a lift pump. We went through, obviously did valve springs, rocker pedestals. Um, we retimed the fuel pump, which made a huge difference. Uh, while we were in there, we did front main seal. We also did rear main seal because we went through and we put a new clutch in it. That was a blast. We dropped the transmission out of the truck in my driveway. Yeah, I, I remember hearing about that. Yeah, I, I have a picture uh, somewhere of the rig that we used to drop the transmission out. There, If we show that on screen, there will be a lot of mechanics shaking their head at me, hey, yeah, but it worked. It was a little suspect, but it, it worked. I don't have that many expensive tools because I... I That's all right. You replaced the clutch, so you, you put in a much beefier clutch, I, I would imagine. Yeah, it's the South Bend Dual Disc. It's rated for 650 horsepower and 1,300 pound-feet of torque, yeah, which eventually I would love to get up to that number. Really, at this point, I, I mean, of course, we did uh, head studs. We did exhaust manifold, uh, four-inch downpipe, uh you know, twin ram intake manifold. Uh, I mean, there's just so many things. A lot of it I really can't even remember. I, honestly, one of the biggest things that we did that made it just sound and feel so much better is we went in and did a valve adjustment, uh-huh. and that made a huge difference. It was, I remember how excited you were about that and how, you know, the, the, you'd set a transform the truck's performance. Yeah, and, and that is a big thing too. It was really fun going in and doing these performance modifications because I've never really had a vehicle before where you could do all this kind of stuff. So I was excited about that, and I love the way it's turned out. Uh, I can spin my tires in third gear, which is a blast. Uh, <laughs> and I have it tuned up so that it's not, it really doesn't smoke a whole lot. No, it doesn't smoke. I'll give you credit on that because I'm not a big fan of, of smoking diesels. Yeah. Um, but it, it, it makes a ton of noise. It really does sound. <laughs> there have been a few times where it's like, oh, who's trying to get is a that semi? A semi? Into, yeah. yeah. <laughs> getting, getting it because when he's in the alleyway and it, and it uh, leading up here and there's uh, an echo. Yeah. Then it does sound like somebody's pulling, you know, a thirty-foot, forty-foot uh, trailer and trying to get in here. Um, so since you've done that, now that you you got a truck that's very clean on the outside, extremely powerful, according to you, very reliable. Yep. Um, it looks good. Um, I guess the big question is, what's next? Suspension. <laughs> it, it rides hard. I, I mean, and, and I will say too, I, I think it's uh, important to note that it was it was really fun going through and doing these performance modifications, aftermarket stuff, because that was always something I had wanted to try out, and I'm glad I did. Uh, but really, the most important things that we did to this truck were the parts that are a lot more necessary, getting a good alignment. Like I mentioned, doing the valve adjustment, making sure that uh, everything in the steering is sorted. We went through the brakes. Um, yeah, I just you placed the I recently do the uh, rear end and uh, yeah, we fluid. had to go through the rear axle. So uh, while we were doing the brakes, I <laughs> basically my axle seal and um, yeah, well, it, it was mostly the axle seal on on one of my wheels was bad, and the drum was just full of gear oil. That's no good. No, uh, which is a big part of the reason when I would stab the brakes, kind of a panic stop, uh, the truck would pull left really hard. So really not not what you want when you're uh, hitting the brakes in a panic maneuver is to have your truck veer towards oncoming traffic. So did you go through the whole rear end and repack the bearings yep. and everything? Yeah, and 
even though the other drum brake wasn't full of, uh, well, we didn't have to repack bearings. We did new axle seals. Mm-hmm. Um, we, you know, fresh fresh oil in the rear axle. Uh, and actually, a pinion on the back of that truck looks flawless. Oh, I'm thrilled to hear that. Chef's kiss. Yeah, it's great. Uh, but yeah, we went through and we did new new brake shoes. I mean, just completely went through the brakes just so we know we don't have to worry about them anytime soon. And, and now it stops right. And yeah, no it problems. stops right. It steers right. It's incredible, actually. I, I mean, I, I can move my steering wheel, you know, five degrees one way, five degrees the other, and the truck will change direction, which for a second gen Ram... Well, think about it. I mean, Impressive. it's not even, it, it, it's not rack and pinion either, is it? Is It's it's like a recruiting ball? No, I want to say it might be rack and pinion. You'll have to let us know in the comments. Yeah, I actually, I, I can't I'm curious about how, how precise such a big truck like that can be. It's so. uh, it's it's surprisingly good. I will say we, we had a Jeep Gladiator for a, a long time as mm-hmm. a long-term test vehicle. And I remember going from my daily driver truck to that gladiator for a little road trip we did out to moab and thinking wow this brand new jeep gladiator does not steer as well as my second gen right was that after we lifted it <laughs> yeah which granted lifting it doesn't help but. actually that that vehicle did well with the lift but i agree with you they just that's a general thing yeah, with you just kind of had to saw at the wheel on the highway yeah yeah you do you have to do minor corrections all the time and it's much easier just being able to go dead and well, it's also just the steering feels vague, which is something that I like about this old school truck is that it's hydraulic power steering. You can tell actually what the front tires are doing. So it gives you a little bit more of a reference where you're not just kind of vaguely back and forth on the wheel trying to figure out what's going to make it go straight. Right. So do you have any recommendations for anybody out there who's thinking about getting a truck like this? Because look, we've done what a dozen videos featuring your truck. Oh, maybe yeah. even more, maybe even more, because it's not just the ones that feature your truck, but your truck is actually involved in. So going to Yakadega or the Yak Ranch, you know, there's a couple with those. Yeah. So the bottom line here is that there's going to be some people who are thinking, hmm, first generation Ram heavy duty sounds like a good choice. Or second gen. Second gen. Well, actually, yeah, second gen, but the first of the second gen. You, yeah. You're, yeah. Yours is the very first uh, 94. Yeah, it's before they updated the interior and everything. And I actually like the old school interior. I like how blocky it is. So what recommendations would you say for those who are watching and listening, if they were interested in a truck, what should they look for in this Ram second gen, but the very early version of the second gen? Yeah, well, there isn't a ton. So something to keep in mind, if you're going to be adding power to your truck, tuning it up, the automatic transmissions generally take more work, more effort to make. I heard they're terrible. Yeah, there's a good amount that you have to go through to make that transmission happy to take a lot of power. Um, An NV4500 or an NV5600 manual transmission like what's in my truck, they're pretty solid. Uh, 4500s have an issue with their fifth gear. Um, But if you fix that and you put a high-performance clutch in it, they can handle a decent amount of power as long as you, you know, don't rack it into gear too hard too often now uh for the 94s and you know the second generation but the early ones we were talking about it earlier off camera and you we were talking about what's available in terms of powertrains um you have of course the cummins yep there's the v10 yeah and actually the v10 was considered the uh the more premier engine at the time it well nobody else was doing it It, well you know in terms of for trucks 
Uh, it was kind of a rare thing. Ford later on came aboard with their V10. I don't think General Motors ever quite, you know, had that, but they swore by their, you know, large displacement V8s. And then there was a, a couple of V8 options available for the heavy duty as well. Yeah. So you really did have a bunch of engine options and a bunch of transmission options. But it's sounding to me like, you know, if you want to go reliable, stick with the manual transmission. Yeah, Cummins in a manual is is a, a good solid setup. It's also a blast to drive. Honestly, I get in a lot of the modern vehicles that come by our office, oh, yeah. and I prefer genuinely prefer driving my truck because I can feel everything going on in it. I don't have to look at the tack or even hear the motor to know what my truck is revved to because I can feel in the shifter what the motor is revved to and if I need a shift, and you can actually feel that shifter slot in the gear. Actually, I would say the coolest thing about driving this truck in terms of driving enjoyment is the throttle because it's all mechanical linkage. It's a mechanical gear-driven fuel pump. Um, it's, you know, the whole truck is all mechanical. And because that throttle is mechanical, it's not electronic, it is immediate. I mean, you give that gas pedal the or diesel pedal mm. the slightest tap and it revs the motor. So all of that, it, it, it's really satisfying to drive. It's surprisingly fun. It kind of feeds the senses. Yeah, it, it yeah. feeds the senses as much as almost any vehicle I've driven. Yeah, I, um, I, I can agree with you. I've seen other trucks and cars that, um, especially with, you know, we're, we're manual transmission fans. In fact, Case and I, I think, are the only ones amongst everybody who works here who have... Tommy's now got his Wrangler. Oh, Tommy's got that Wrangler. That's gonna be, and also he's got that Mini with the, with the manual. True. So I'm not going to jump on Tommy. But for the <laughs> most part, we're still very big fans of the manual transmission. And one of the reasons why is because we like the tactile feel of it. Yep. And depending on the vehicle, it can really um, accentuate the feel of the whole thing. It kind of gives you a feeling of what the heart is doing in the vehicle, yeah, what it should be doing. And it's something that I love about old vehicles is that, I, I mean, I... I Grew up learning how to drive on 40s and 50s military vehicles, basically, right. starting when I was nine years old, and that's what I'm used to. And this truck, to me, feels like that. I, I can feel what's going on, don't have to look at the instruments to drive it. So that's why it's, it's really off-putting for me when I hop into a modern economy car with a manual transmission. You know, you get what? I mean, a lot of those have a shifter that's cable operated rather than linkage. So you can't really feel what the shifter is doing. The throttle doesn't give you any feedback. You can't hear the car because it's a small motor. You've got a lot of sound deadening. It, I would agree with you so to it, a point. It, but even, even a lot of manual economy cars, it feels like you're playing a driving video game. You can't really feel the connection between your controls, the pedals, the shifter and everything, and the actual components that they're operating. I think it depends on the car, but I think it's Oh, it definitely depends right. on the car. Um, there are some out there that, that are still extremely well connected. Um, guys, we're going to wrap it up. Um, we really enjoyed doing this. I think this is yeah. something different. I know you, you don't have Andre, you don't have Tommy, and you don't have Roman on, on one of the sites here, so this is kind of rare. Uh, <clears throat> once again, don't forget, uh, Patreon, if you want your questions answered, and also if you want to support us, we do appreciate that. And I think that uh, that's about it for today. Stay tuned. There's going to be a lot more coming in the near future. A lot more comings. <laughs> See you. 
You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. 